0: Hi everyone, I'm Dan Duva, radio play-by-play broadcaster for the Golden Knights. Welcome to episode three of Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave, the official Vegas Golden Knights podcast with, of course, Shane Knighty, Gary Lawless, Dave Gosher, and me. Hashtag SLGND. Today, our special guest, george mcphee gm of the golden knights he joins us in studio for an in-depth conversation about the golden knights seven and one start we've also got reaction and storylines from vegas's four game win streak the latest on the team's goaltending situation then i quiz the guys on who's the mvp so far what are the club's biggest challenges going forward and we also get into some halloween discussion Plus, a new segment we call Raise or Hold. It's hashtag SLGND. Sheriff, Lawless, and some guy named Dave. And now, here's
1: Dave. All right, Dan Duba, thanks very much. The hashtag SLGND podcast. Dave Gosher along with Shane Knighty and Gary Lawless, your TV voices of the Golden Knights. The Lawman also are. Indispensable Insider as well. Indispensable. Indispensable. Outstanding. The big word. Big word. Welcome to our podcast and a reminder that... This podcast brought to you by Foley Food & Wine. Bill and Carol Foley created the Foley Food & Wine Society to celebrate three of their greatest passions, world-class wines, exceptional cuisine, and outstanding destinations. And as a member of the society, you'll have access to their entire portfolio of properties around the globe. The Foley Food & Family Society offers an exclusive opportunity to join like-minded individuals who seek to experience the finer things in life. They look forward to hosting you during your next visit. Cheers. Lawman, what's up?
2: I test drove uh, a nice little Pinot Noir from the uh, the Foley Collection the other night. Did Did you empty the tank? Uh, Well, it had two tanks, (laughs) as a matter of fact. (laughs) And (laughs) they're both empty. Yes, uh, (laughs) it was uh, Lincourt. It was a big uh, fan favorite with the guests. So uh, nice. Hey, now I'm. I I think that we're talking about this product. We should have a little bit of it once in a while, right? Well, hey, you're the one who seems to have the connection on it. Yeah. Uh, you have the stories,
3: all the stories You've been been involved. to Rock I Creek. To, I yeah, I've been to the Rock store Cave. and bought it. Yeah. That, that, huge was, that was fishing store. Maybe <laughs> during won. the
1: podcast we could right. have a little taste test. Okay. You know? Well, here we are with um the 7 and 1 <laughs> Vegas Golden Dice. Wow. Yep. I, I mean, <laughs> I it's it is hard to believe, but you know, we've we've seen this team guys come from you know, you think back to rookie camp and then training camp and seven exhibition games, and all right, arms hands up if you saw this coming.
2: All I had at no, I had him at six one and one. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you look, that's at, a lie. If you look at it, uh, you know the Detroit game they could have won, the Dallas game they could have lost, the St. Louis game they could have lost. So it kind of like it's not. Someone said yesterday, smoke and mirrors. And then one of the Detroit the Chicago Blackhawk players said on Tuesday night, hey, this isn't smoke and mirrors. These guys are good. they're disciplined. they play their system, they work hard. Uh, and Shane, you know this is from my perspective and I'd love to hear what you think. That is the key to this team is that Gerard gallant has got them playing as a team. And they work hard. That
3: is the number one thing that's going on right now, Gary. And Dave and I talked about it last night on the broadcast. When you watch this group, and we've seen, big story, of course, third goalie to start. It doesn't matter who's in this lineup. There's a system. There's a foundation. There's a commitment to compete to a man in that room. And, yeah, it's a long season. There's 74 games left. Don't know what's going to happen. But to have this start and been answering questions. How long is it going to last? How long is this going to go on? I don't know the answer to that, but it's time that this is real. It's not just luck. They've been able to do something with this group, and the way they approach a game, they they really haven't been out of a game yet because of their willingness to to be on details. They play the game. They assemble a group of guys that skate way better than I thought coming in. They're quick. They're hard on the puck. They compete. So they don't make your night easy. Anybody coming in thinking it's going to be an easy night, you know, we're going to tic-tac-toe it around, that's not going to be the case. If they're going to come in and work and then they have that skill element, they might be able to beat the Golden Knights, but it's not going to be
2: an easy task. There are a bunch of storylines that are really exciting. To me, the best ones are the, are the stories of youth and the stories of a fresh start. If you had told me this time last year that Lucas Biza would be almost mistake-free through eight games and would be the go-to guy for Gerard Gallant against you know some of the opposition's high high offense guys, I kind of well said that's not a great recipe. He's been so sharp. He has, and and then you look at. Obviously, the fourth line, we'll get into that as as we go forward. They've been great. But then the young guys, uh, Brad Hunt is not super young, but has really stepped in. Alex Tuck, uh, I, I've liked Brandon Leipzig's game. There's Riley Smith, to me, has been their best player. He's a young guy still. There's a bunch of, of stories here that aren't going to be one-season stories, which sometimes you get with an expansion team. These are guys they're going to want to keep for a long time.
1: Well, I think the other thing is, too, you know, Gary, we touched on this. Their ability to, and they haven't had a lot of adversity, but when it's hit them in games, they've been able to handle it. Well, I guess they've, the, got three, they've got three goalies. Right.
2: They're two tough goalies. No, I'm talking about in the body of a <laughs> okay. game. Right.
1: You know, they've They've been in every game they play, right? The Detroit game got away from them in the third period, Yeah. right? Outside of that, the first game in Dallas, Flurry had to be great, and he was. And yep. they found a way to win. Uh, the game against St. Louis, you know, even you know, Turk was telling us, I mean, some of the tenants he tries to build his team around, you know, one-on-one battles, 1st on pucks, um, they, they, they weren't good in those areas, and they still found a way to win. Um, so when they are dealt some adversity, and this, this goaltending thing is, is ridiculous, what's been going on here. You know, here's, here's Subban who comes in. Fr- talk about a fresh start. Fresh start for him. He's on his way to another win. He gets hurt. Dance comes in, no problem. You know the first goal, Petrangelo beats him, and then he's ten for ten after that, and he picks up a win last night
3: too. And you just said something that when you think about great teams and on season and a team that wins it all, what's one of they find ways to win? Not every night are you going to be on your game. There's going to be off periods. There's going to be off shifts. There there could be anything. But but having people step up at that time and finding a way to win that's that's what great teams talk about. You know, after a long season, so uh, it, it is still early, but at the same time. Early and smoke and mirrors, whatever and Gary said, or we say luck, that's got to start to go by the wayside now. you got to start talking about this team is, is
2: grown into a team that is going to compete. Let's talk about Gerard Glant for a second, because oh. I think teams, they can play for themselves – uh, you know, you know. You talked to the guys that played for the Dallas Stars in '99 when they won the Stanley Cup. They played, you know, in spite of Ken Hitchcock. You know, to, to, they they played together. Look at his to, Florida team that went to playoffs. Exactly. Yeah. So, but what is it about Gerard Gallant? What does he do? Because uh, these guys aren't playing in spite of Gerard. They're 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 playing for themselves and for Turk because of the way you see the way they play the system. And we, we're around them. We know they like playing for this guy. What does he do? Well,
3: I'm not in the room to know for sure, but here's the thing. So you got systems throughout the league, and Gerard's going to be the first to say it. They very by tiny, tiny details. The biggest difference is the terminology. So he has a way to convey the systems to his players, that, they, and then he has a method in which they buy in. So the communication, um, and, and coaches aren't buddy-buddy with players, but he has a way to relay those messages and them to not only absorb and, and soak it in, but to take that, and put it into action on the ice. So I, I don't know. I know guys love playing. For I think him.
2: there's two things. I think he respects the players. Well, oh, there's the respects, and, the and so guys. they know that, and they respect him in return. But then I also think because of the the kind of player that he was and the kind of person he is, he still has a bit of that that powerful persona. He's a no crap guy, and and it's and now the the move this week to send Shipashev. To the American League because uh, listen I think this is a guy who still has a ton of up up upside they've got to get him going somehow but in the interim like th- I think the decision is you're not doing it at the NHL level it's a big transition you're going to go to the American League if they had kept him. In in this lineup, it would have undermined if they had a sent Alex Tuck down. There's kept, a message there. Yes. There's a message there to that the team. You guys, the guys that are going, get to stay. And it and we're not. Uh, it's not about what you make. It's not about where you were drafted. It's about the job you're doing. And isn't that the best message of all? Oh, for a player, yeah. Then you think of coaches.
3: What is a coach's job really? It is to get the best out of their players, and that's what he's been able to do.
1: Well, they had issues early in the year, right? Where they they had numbers issues where they had to send some guys. You know, George. McPhee talked about this, guys like Theodore and Tuck. That George
2: they, McPhee was our guest
1: Yes, today. he'll be here a little bit later on, by the way. We'll have uh, the general manager of the Vegas Golden Knights will join us for a segment, which uh, he'll be our first-ever guest, actually. Boy, what a high, What a big moment for him. he <laughs> <laughs> slept last or night. Or not. But, um, you know, they had some issues earlier in this year, numbers problems, where they had to send guys like Theodore and, and, um, and Tuck down to the minors. Um now as you say Gary it's if you if you deserve to be in the lineup you're going to be in the lineup and that's that's what they've done the other thing I was going to touch on guys is you know if you were on the outside looking in and you said well they get a couple of wins over Arizona and they beat um you know they beat a team like buffalo right but if they didn't get your attention by beating St. Louis and Chicago then you're not paying attention you know that's a different story you beat two teams that are powerhouse teams in the west teams that down the road, you were expect they're going to be in the mix for, for teams that are going to go to the conference final or maybe even the cup final. Um, you know, that to me is, you know, we kind of talked about it going into the uh, St. Louis game, Shane, of this is the best team they played. Well, they found a way to win. You know, they, the goalie gets to Subban gets start with nine minutes left. Dance comes in, they find a way to win. Last night, Chicago comes in, and they deserve to win that game. So if that doesn't open open people's eyes up, then, then they're, not, they're not watching. Uh, you
2: know, I also think there was a message yesterday from George McPhee. When he when he didn't make a trade or make a waiver claim for a veteran goaltender and let os gave Oscar Dance, a young guy the opportunity to fail and I think that that reverberates uh, through an organization as well that if you're a young guy you're going to get a chance when there's an opening you're going to get a chance here to that end Shade Theodore is still to me uh, you know. I don't know how much longer they can leave him in Chicago. He has performed. He's gone down there with the right attitude, done everything that that they probably asked him to do in his exit meeting. But at some point in time, th- this guy needs the opportunity to play in the National Hockey League. And it looked to me like his development was he was he was on the runway to really take off as a player. And you see what Hunt is accomplishing. Colin Miller, man, oh, man. You know, like that... that they play a little pitch and catch on the power play. Hunt knows his job is to kind of pull people over and then flip it over to, to Miller who has that bomb and it's starting to produce on the power play. Like, these are little intangibles or these are ingredients to a team. But that's the payoff.
3: It takes you a long way. That's the payoff. And you said the word right there. What is this? What does an expansion team give? It gives opportunity, and that's what player, and I've mentioned it a lot, that's what you want as an athlete, Absolutely. as a professional hockey player, is you want that opportunity, and it's a matter of what you do with it that counts. And we've seen these players to a man, this team to a man, is whether it's Oscar Dance, Malcolm Subin, you mentioned Miller, Hunt, can go right down the list. These guys have rewarded, these opportunities have been given, so it's been a great payback here for this organization.
1: And speaking of opportunity, see, so you, you know, if you're on a fourth line on a team, right, you just you want to create some energy. I mean, if you score, it's a bonus, right? I, w- I would guess. But you want to create positive momentum for your team, be tenacious on the four check, speed. Um, some guys kill penalties, fourth line. And, and you look at this fourth line of Belmar Carrier and Nosik. Two of the four goals last night come from the fourth line. But to me, it's just more about the tone they set. When they're on the ice. Well,
2: one thing about them, and this is it, it. Fourth line is such a misnomer, and you hear the coach say it all the time. The the so called fourth line, they are second on the team in ice time.
4: Right.
2: They they, they they among the among the lines, they get second as the second amount of ice time behind Riley Smith's group every game. That they've averaged more ice time than the second and the third line, which is uh to me. A, a real testament to what they've done. And it tells you again about Gerard Gallant. He wants players he can trust on the ice. And Belmar has got these two young guys, Carriera and Noshik. He's got them. He's he's found a way to get them to play the right way all the time. It's, uh, it, it's, a, it's a teaching tool to watch them. They're on the right side of the puck. I did not time. know Belmar is that good.
3: His, his ability, and there's a couple plays, the one short-handed, he still got a shot away, he does not quit on a no, play He got a great stick. at all, he got hit another play coming into the zone got stood up, got knocked down, but he still maintained possession of the puck and kept it in zone that line has been more than just energy. And for, you know, the traditionals, you got your first, second line, your scoring lines, your third's kind of that shutdown line that can maybe chip in. And your fourth line is, you know, your role players. Well, it's not the case. You don't see teams win championships without four lines now. And, and a true four line, it's not good to number. I do it just because it's easier for people yeah, to understand. Sure. And then I didn't know much about Nosic and Carrier. You look at these guys; they come, they have two young guys. But I think Belmar's the the, the centerpiece of that. He's a centerman. His his ability to play the game, the details. Uh, you mentioned Riley Smith, you know MVP. I don't think is, is in Riley Smith's game. He's got you know he's got more skill than Belmar, but Belmar's details might be more you know accurate. Than anyone.
2: It's fascinating to see. Ken Holland was here a little while ago. GM of the Detroit Red Wings told me flat out, Noshik was going to play for us this year. And if you watched in the American League last year, he was one of one of their leaders in a team that went to the Calder Cup. I talked to Jason Botterill about William Carrier. Same thing. Oh no, we didn't want to let him go. Young guy, big body, can yeah. skate. We thought he had upside. Uh, and then the other night, I <laughs> I don't. I'm not telling a tale at a school, but. Uh, Brad Hunt makes the pass that, that springs Smith uh, and, uh, and Carlson for the winning goal in three-on-three. Three. I get on the elevator after the game, and Doug, Wilson, uh, Doug Armstrong, the GM of the Blues, is sitting at the back of the elevator, and he's not a happy guy. And he's not happy because they just lost, but he's also not happy because Brad Hunt is a guy that they had, they invested time in, and then they lost him on waivers to Nashville. They tried to re-sign him in the offseason because they knew that this was a kid that could play. Now, obviously, Hunt looks at the Blues, Petrangelo, and Easter, and he's like, you know, I'm never going to play there. I'm never going to play in the power play. He looks at the Golden Knights and thinks... Eh, I got a chance. They're an expansion team. There might be some opportunity for me. Opportunity. Now he's here, and he's and he's entrenched in the lineup, and and also Vegas gave him a two year a two year contract, one way, both ways. So um, wherever he is, he's going to do okay. And
1: here's a guy, Gary, that sat out three straight months last year. Wasn't playing in St. Louis. Got picked up on waivers by Nashville. Didn't play there. Forty five straight <laughs> games he sat out. He was telling us the other day. How hard is that, Shane? I know you never I've sat out d- for that long.
3: I've done but, quite a bit by second year. I had and it is tough. The mental challenge to to skate every day to to maintain and be ready for that call whenever it may come is It is very, very difficult, and not a lot of guys can handle it, especially to that extreme. And, you know, it goes to talk about just the character of a guy like Brad Hunting and his willingness to to hang on and still, you know, wait for his opportunity and then make the most of
2: it. There's an interesting sideline here about the Golden Knights because they've got a bunch of guys that are sitting out right now. Griffin Reinhart, John Merrill, Jason Garrison. They've sat out a whole bunch of games. Jason Garrison, you hear George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon and and Gerard Launt talk about when they drafted this team, they wanted character guys. Well, Jason Garrison last night in the press box, I had a conversation with him, and he talked about how happy he was for Brad Hunt, who basically has taken his job. And he <laughs> yeah. is thrilled for him to see him succeeding and accomplishing what he's accomplished right now, and that keeps the rest of those guys in a good frame of mind, and that's critical.
3: That's part of being a team. That role, there's all, everybody has a role, and it's not always just the guys playing. Everybody plays, and that adds up to success.
1: and the Vegas Golden Knights off to the best start of any expansion team in the 100-year history of the NHL. They wrap up the homestand uh, Friday. Nevada Day, of course, uh, Colorado Avalanche in town to wrap up the seven-game homestand. And then the team will head out on a six-game road trip uh, as well. But um, Vegas Golden Knights off to a great start. Lots more to come here on the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, hashtag SLGND.
0: But now it's a steal. Here comes Riley Smith. Two on one with Carlson. Smith on the left. He waits. Feeds Carlson. He scores! William Carlson!
2: 3-2 to Vegas! (laughs) It's another (laughs) overtime winner! Look at that. They're rushing out. They don't know where to go. They're jumping on Smith. They're jumping on dance. Another celebration in Vegas, Stan
1: The Sheriff Lawless and some guy named Dave podcast continues hashtag SLGND and And a reminder, fans, if you're heading to a Golden Knights game, take care of your parking early. Don't fight for a parking space. Purchase your parking in advance through the Park Mobile app and score your perfect spot at the preferred parking garages of the Vegas Golden Knights. Visit www.lasvegas.parkmobile.com to reserve your parking today. That's lasvegas.parkmobile.com. We continue on with our podcast, Dave Gosher, Shane Knighty, Gary Lawless, Dan Duva at the controls. And so we've got some new segments. We've got George McPhee, the general manager of the Golden Knights, coming up in our next segment. It'll be our first guest, our guest of the day, poor him. But in any event... Are you ready for the quiz? Dan Duva behind the mic? who's with uh, what sort of questions did you conjure up for us? Well, here?
0: That's a terrific question, Dave, because you know when you hear the word quiz, you would assume that there is a right and wrong answer. And when you hear some of these questions, you might assume that, well, it's really an opinion. That's incorrect. I will determine whether you are, in fact, right or wrong, but we will not actually decide that until later in the program. I will keep score, and then we'll reveal that later in the show. So let's begin with a couple of Golden Knights-related questions, then we'll move on from there. Chatted with Jonathan Marchessault after the game last night. And I like to ask the guys, open-ended question, who do you think played well tonight? You know, you, somebody might mark the score sheet up and down, but maybe somebody else didn't but really played well ask jonathan that that type of question and unprompted he named his mvp of the golden knights i didn't even ask him he named his mvp of the golden knights so let's begin by asking you guys who is your mvp Oh, I, I thought you were going to ask us who the Golden he Knights. said. Well, I will, oh. and then uh, oh, okay. we need to know what you think and, and, and obviously try to see this through the prism of Jonathan so because, of course, his answer will be the correct one.
3: Sheriff? You want to go? I became a professional athlete to avoid quizzes. <laughs> uh,
0: uh, uh, sucked <laughs> you back in. Just happened to out of high school. So,
3: and then I hear there's no right or wrong. Now there is a right or wrong. Yeah, so like, we, which way is it? I'm, I'm the like, judge
0: and the jury. Well, so I got might think, be the sheriff, uh, but I'm the judge and the through, jury. Uh, I right? Jonathan
3: Marchessault's head, so rather than my own, because I think there's been a lot of MVPs, but I think he's going to go with Riley Smith. Okay. What uh, what would lead you to make that estimation? Former teammate. Uh, Riley Smith's been very good. 200 foot game here to start the season. He plays power plays on the penalty kill. Uh, He's great on the four check, his ability to pursue the puck. Uh, He's got a great shot that's starting to come along. Another one off the bar last game, but uh, he was in on all three goals. Uh, The previous game against the St. Louis Blues, great feed in overtime. Um, I just think he continues to contribute in a lot of ways. Okay. Gary, what say you?
2: Well, I did a feature yesterday (laughs) with uh, our web producer, Tyler Pico, about Jonathan Marshall's show calling Riley Smith the MVP. And then I interviewed Shane about why Riley Smith was such a good player. So, I'm going to go with Riley Smith. Oh, that's a really clever For all the reasons Shane just discussed. Yeah. He's a 200-foot guy. And you see Gallant uses him on the power play, on the penalty kill, five on five. Uh, he sets up the big goal in overtime for the win against the Blues. He's been, he, he's been fantastic. I'll tell you what. I think he has a lot of—we saw Jonathan Taves last night. We didn't see Patrice Bergeron when— Uh, The Bruins were in Vegas. He's got a lot of those players in his game in that he's got the speed and the offensive upside. If he wanted to cheat and put up 80 points, he probably could. He is a guy, the most important points for him are the ones that go in the win column, and he sacrifices offense to achieve that. That's leadership. This is, to me... The pivotal player for the Vegas Golden Knights right now. Well, you
1: looked at you know, and, and look, I, I'll just make it a hat trick because it's right. We'll it go. Follow. That's the question well, here. Because, I, mean, like, I think
0: Gary stole the teacher's <laughs> answer sheet, so so we'll assume that you say involved. Well, maybe yeah. it isn't. <laughs> well, maybe <laughs> changed his mind.
2: Ending. I did my homework.
1: Maybe he
0: changed uh, his mind. By the way, I yeah. won
2: the quiz. That that, that that was just brilliant. I right went there. first. If this was,
1: <laughs> yeah, you had all the heat on you. If this was the first three four games of the year, I would have told you James Neal. Yeah. But now we play, what's the math? Uh, eight, eight, eight games? Is it eight? No, mm-hmm. eight. Mm-hmm. Seven and one would be eight.
0: And let's let's just twist it real quick, since I think that there's a consensus on Riley Smith, and yes, Jonathan Marsh
1: has still had a similar sentiment. <laughs> yes. Uh,
0: then who might be the second most valuable player? Quick
1: thoughts? Uh, Neil would have to be in the running. You know, here's the thing. In terms of somebody like Smith, who plays in all the important situations, five on five, penalty kill, shorthanded, He's an elusive guy, too. Like, he's not the biggest, you know, he's standing next to him. He's not the biggest or the strongest guy in the world, but he's somebody that's pretty elusive. I think somebody like Neil, he's just like that pure goal scorer that can, I mean, we saw it right off the bat, right? Mm-hmm. Where he can he can break open games for you. He can win games for you. So I would, I, it's pretty high. I, I guess Fleury before he got hurt, mm. how valuable he was to this team, <laughs> but... And
0: then That's Gary. Right, Gary would me? be third.
1: <laughs> no, I'd say Neil would be next.
0: <laughs> All right, Gary, what do you think? What do you, what think? you got? Second most valuable player.
2: Lucas Pisa. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think that uh, I've just been thrilled to watch what this guy has done on a night in and night out basis. And uh, that blue line is... You know, that was the big question mark when you looked at them before the season. You knew they had Fleury. You knew they had Neil Perron, Marsha Show, smith They had some offense. They had some guys that could do some things. You looked at the blue line. Brad Hunt was a career American leaguer. Nate Schmidt played, you know, 10 minutes a game last year with the Capitals. Uh, Colin Miller was a guy that, you know, you know deemed, deemed expendable by the Bruins. And... Uh, and, and Spisa was a guy that the, the Vancouver media and fans loved to lump up on this guy. And he has come here. He has not made the big error that the, that the Vancouver folks accused him again and again of making. And Gerard Gallant puts him out there against the opposition's best. And uh, this team has a plus goal differential with three different goalies. That's a pretty pretty telling story.
0: And go into the regular season if you were to guess who would be the most valuable defenseman, Nate uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, you would not have, sure. yeah, yeah, would have, not have guessed Spezza. All right, what do you think, Shane?
3: I don't know if he can just pick cuz we're listening. You can pick a different guy and to me that just right there explains why this team is 7 and 1. It's mm-hmm. been performances depending on the game of a different guy stepping up and being, you know, the MVP if you want to call it or two or three guys Because there's been – David Perron's had some fantastic games, uh, you know, where he's made some great plays. Cody Eakin, who hasn't scored, but he's the centerman on that line that so much speed. William Carlson, as of late, has turned up his game. That whole fourth line, uh, their defense core, three goalies. uh, It goes on and on. So, for (laughs) me, I'm going to say the MVP right now has been Gerard Gallant because he's taken all these pieces and been able to put out a product that does not change their game or their style. Or their approach, and they still get the job done.
2: I'd like to accuse him of fence sitting,
0: uh-huh.
2: uh, but it, it's a very salient point and, and very well put. Oh, wow. So I, I agree. I cannot do that. What's that, but that, I, what's that word? You are salient. You remain. Yeah, that's the, a writer. Uh, He's trying to trick remain, us out. You remain the Maytag man. That's fine.
1: Wishy <laughs> washy. <laughs> Here's to me. All right. Let's
2: let's let's look not
0: only at the adversity that has been endured so far. Let's. Recognize that You guys talked about it a few minutes ago, whether it was what happened before the season on October 1st, the, the injuries and, and so on. Going forward, going forward, what do you see as the most significant challenge facing the Golden Knights in the immediate future? What is it looking for?
1: Um, I think I would have concerns down the road. Uh, from an offensive standpoint, are they going to be able to score enough on a nightly basis down the road? You know, right now they're able to score enough, but as you get deeper into a season, um, is that something that's going to be, you know, James Neal had a hot start. Now he's kind of, he's slowed down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, they've had other guys have been able to, to fill that void, but to me, it's, are they going to be able to, their defense is, is impressed me a lot, you know, and as Gary said, that was kind of the talk coming in. Are they going to be able to score enough? Down the road mm-hmm. to be able to compete, Shane. Do you and have a, win more games than they, do. They, what do you, you think know, on that?
3: Immediate goaltending. That's the thing. Mark Andre Fleury is he going to be back healthy? Uh, you know, Oscar Dance, great story. Played great. Can he maintain? And it could be said for Malcolm Subban. He got injured, but. He didn't have much more experience than Oscar Dansk. Uh, He played two games or just about a full two games and only had two prior to that with the Boston Bruins. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury is the only guy who's been a proven goaltender. So Mm. goaltending going
0: forward to me is the biggest question. Gary, let me ask you in this way. There have been these challenges that have been overcome and, with a lot of positives, how a group can come together to rise up and and combat sort of the difficulties with resilience. One thing that has could be difficult: the delicate nature of the roster and Vadim Shipushev and having to go back to the minors. And you know, with all these other challenges, you're seeing how the team can come together as a result. But here's one where I don't see the you know a team come together when you've got a guy who's sort of on the periphery here. Is he on the team? Is he not on the team? And I think, you know, Shane Theodore's still in the minors. How is that so, going to, to work itself Yeah, through? forgive
2: me. It's, it's Shippashev, to me, isn't in the equation. He yeah. needs to go to Chicago. He needs to figure out his game in the American League. He needs to dominate there before he can be considered for a recall. And and if that takes 25, 30, 40 games, so be it. The, the, this player is um, has got huge upside and th- and he needs some development right now the transition from the KHL has been difficult for him they he he needs they need to invest in him with ice time there and he needs to invest in himself by going there with the right frame of mind and saying i need to conquer this league and when i have conquered this league i will then try and conquer the NHL and if if he can't make that that commitment, then, then it, it could become a major problem. Much more pressing right now because Shipachov is a long way away from being ready. Is Shea Theodore because he is ready? And they've all. They, right last night it was Garrison, Reinhardt, and Merrill, three NHL defensemen, healthy, sitting upstairs watching. But the next guy that should go in the lineup, or and, and maybe should be in the lineup already. Is Shea Theodore. And how is George McPhee going to finesse that? Because Shea Theodore is not a project that is a question mark. He's a number one defenseman in the National Hockey League at some point in time. As an offensive player. This, he just does it all offensively. He did it for the Anaheim Ducks in the Stanley Cup playoffs last year. He ran their power play. And this is a team that went deep in the playoffs. That The best hockey played in the world. This guy has already excelled. So He's got to be in this lineup, and he's got to be in this lineup real fast. Who comes out?
0: Well, see, Gary, see, you and I must really be on the same wavelength because that is exactly what I wrote down. Let's pretend for a moment. Let's pretend for a moment that the roster rules have changed, and Friday against Colorado, they get to add an extra player, and it's going to be Shea Theodore. You're Gerard Gallant. You're going to put six defensemen in the lineup. Shea Theodore is going to go in. Who comes out? Mm, Nobody Mm, knows.
1: Nobody knows. I have an idea, but... Yeah, I mean... You know, does McNabb come out? Probably. Probably after...
0: Probably. Probably after having played his best game. I know. yeah, you yeah. Know. I
1: know, but... That was one of
0: the
3: best clean goal. hits you'll see yes. in a long time last night. He, that he made played.
2: plays last night. He did a lot of little yeah. good things that we hadn't seen from him previously. And yeah... That physical edge that, that he brought last night, we hadn't seen that from him. It's well, like, he needs to, yeah. Everything kind of came together for McNabb last night.
0: And you could also look at the, the other side of the coin and, and reasons not to take guys out. You just listed a few with McNabb. I'm not sure that you could take Brad Hunt out of the lineup right now. He's got four assists in four games. No Colin chance. Miller is producing now after you know uh, not getting the numbers in the first handful of games, but you get the idea. Uh, it is a decision that... You wonder what the next straw will be and how this will shake out. But, boy, if uh, if I'm the Chicago Wolves fan, soak in your Shea Theodore while you can. All right, let's uh, look at some items beyond the Golden Knights, guys. Big success this year, the Tampa Bay Lightning and one of their young and exciting players leading to the trade that uh, was Sergeyev and Druin that was between Montreal and Tampa Bay. And at this juncture, who is the winner of the Druin Sergeyev
2: trade? I'll say Sergachev, uh, the, the, the Lightning, because of their record. Sergachev has four, four goals, five assists, nine points. Drewen is 2-5-7, and seven. and the Tampa Bay Lightning are uh, among the best teams in the National Hockey League, and the Montreal Canadiens are among the worst.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's – you go by what kind of an impact, you know, and look, it's not always fair because Montreal's a bad team, right? Bad team right now. Tampa Bay is among the elite teams, but I think Sergachev, like the impact he's had on a team that already – is loaded with some pretty good talent. Um, I, I lean that way right now anyways.
3: Well, see, this is where I don't mind challenging. And I think Montreal won the trade because Marc Bergeron wouldn't have a job if he didn't bring a French-Canadian player to Montreal to play there. <laughs> mm. uh, and that city is as uproar as it's already in having Druen there. They needed a French-Canadian potential superstar. And, and Drouin's going to be very good. You mentioned his points. That's leading the team. Yep. So... He, is it Sergachev has, look at the, the way Kucherov and Stamkos have started the season. He's got a ton of guys to play with. Drouin's got this mess going on up in Montreal. So I think, in, you know, they're both great players. Sergachev's going to be, you know, dynamite. Great start. Go skill-wise. But I think overall, who won this dream, Montreal, they needed to make this. And this is maybe going to be the first piece of many more to come to kind of get that team back to where they need to be in a very tough market.
0: And you didn't know what Sergeyev was going to be. I mean, I think we could assume that what he has done so far has been a surprise. Drew Ann already more of a known commodity and also known in his background are, are these these difficulties. He had demanded a trade. Um Steve Eiserman masterfully pulled off keeping him and then getting something Perfectly back for handled. him. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, it would have been pretty easy for Steve Eiserman to just throw up his hands, let Druan go and get nothing for him, and now they've got Sergachev. So really to me it's how Steve Eiserman played that whole situation. Uh Drouin is while well, maybe has gotten some, some advice that steered him down the wrong path. I got to know him in Syracuse pretty well. He's a good guy, and I I wish him well. Yeah, bad advice for a little while. Exactly. So you hope that he has, just like we've talked about with the Golden Knights, new start, who can maybe rise up. You hope that that's the case for him there back in uh, familiar territory in Montreal. Okay, uh, Halloween coming up, guys. And while the Golden Knights will be in New York, it's a little chilly out on the East Coast this time of year for Halloween. So when you're... Preparing your Halloween costumes. A, do you guys make your own Halloween costumes? Especially when you were growing up, do you uh, go and, and buy Halloween costumes? And and I'm also interested what you guys are going to be for Halloween this year.
1: <laughs> I don't have a costume picked out yet. Oh, nice. Uh, well, we yeah, could we could t- talk, we got, Dave. And six could, days, five. What was it the yeah. 30th? All right. 31st. It will. We'll, uh, well, we'll be days. arriving. Uh, we'll be leaving <laughs> Madison Square Garden and
0: arriving Can in. Boston how many days on there are Halloween.
1: this month? <laughs> Thirty days. 30 September, able April, yeah. to April, November. When I was a kid, uh, homemade for sure.
3: Yeah, homemade. There's no way my dad was paying for no. a
1: costume. <laughs>
3: Not a chance. Not, no, no chance whatsoever. The easiest
1: one was a bum, right? You could just kind of be like, right. hey, put some junk well, on, you I thought a, go- a ghost. Ghost. Oh yeah, <laughs> ghost's pretty easy too. Yeah, I, went, you know, I went
2: as a woman quite often. Is that so? understandable? We had a wig kicking around yep. our house, and uh, I would uh, throw on a blouse and a skirt and some uh, makeup.
0: Was a big hit. There you go. I, I just remember throwing on sports jerseys, like a Devil's jersey, a Jets jersey, and that's that. That was and that was a costume. That was the costume, you know. Maybe some eye black or something. You know, that is maybe, not a getup. That's as lazy. Dave, Wilshire, <laughs> as Dave would put
2: it. Be better
1: if you were in
0: full he, uniform.
2: You wouldn't get candy at my house. Now, uh, mm. Listen, I happen to love Halloween, and my favorite. Uh, other than seeing the joy in my daughter's face because she's just nuts about it. And our house is... Our front lawn has got ghouls and goblins and a graveyard on it right now. It's crazy. Lights and a fog machine. But I like standing at the front door and dealing with the kids. And now, I I, I am not Ebenezer Scrooge. I do not ever say, you don't get any candy. But uh, I've been known to... uh, Limit the take to uh, one single candy bar and then uh, hand the kid beside him that's properly dressed three or four hours. <laughs> oh, awesome. yeah, yeah. See, I, 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 I you love judge
1: that? the costume. And then Absolutely. Yeah. Dole out the candy bar. I love
3: Halloween, too, but uh, what I had a great, where I came from, where I just moved from in Canada, we live kind of just outside the city, and, and the houses are, it's more big lots, so you walk, so we had a group of us, we and there, it's a little bit country, so you got the ATVs and everything, we hook up trailers to haul the nice. hall of kids, and... And the adults have, we have our coolers, and we walk around, those, uh, <laughs> and then the parents have a party afterwards, and the kids are all sugared up,
2: and uh, I'll miss that tradition this year. Uh, we did the same thing, and my neighborhood was sort of like right, beside, right beside a park. We walked We, rode from, in style. we walked from door to door, Ubers. and uh, there was a flask or two, uh, getting, uh, and and some really good neighbors when you would go to knock yes. on their door you, the kids would get their trick or treat and then you would get a, a shot of tequila or a shot of whiskey oh, yeah. as your uh, as your little uh, trick Howly or treat for everybody. Uh, reward yeah. exactly Oh, yes. i'm going uh, to your neighborhood next yes. year that's a you know, fantastic line
1: right <laughs> costumes and candy how bad can it be <laughs> there
2: you go <laughs>
0: <laughs> can there be any debate that Reese's peanut butter cups are the best halloween candy
1: by the way right up there snickers I snickers is good do you give out like full candy bars or the little bite size full yeah, that's the way to do it. Mini, yeah.
2: mini, mini potato chip bags. Yeah, uh, and then uh, we, we, we had a big selection. Like, yeah. I would go to the. I'd wait till five o'clock, four thirty, when Safeway would slash their prices in half. Run in and buy as much, and buy as much candy as I could, and then. Uh, and then bring it back. Well, Here's I got to tell you,
0: I, I, you know, from time to time, you know, I get, I get, uh, Big I get agitated. Bobby at Big certain
2: wheel, he spend the full load. <laughs> yeah, there you go.
0: I get agitated from time to time. I, I throw people in my doghouse, Duva's doghouse. You know, you don't, don't want to be in Duva's doghouse. When I was a kid, up the street from me lived a dentist, and guess what? The dentist Toothbrush? handed out toothbrushes on Halloween. Yeah, that pissed. probably made my parents happy, but could not be more upset. What did you do about it? Give you, a, give you a business t- card. Eventually, we
2: just skipped that house. Oh, no, yeah, no. As he, we grew no, up. Let you introduce to get the get people to, that handed out the apples. No, no, he'd get he'd a... Uh, apples, pears, Get a little oranges. bit of uh, the... D- the, the soap on the car window. <laughs> that would be. I yeah, a, I was probably a little bit younger young for that at the time. I was a bar of dial yeah. with me. <laughs> yeah. Carton of eggs. God. No, no, I, no. We can't waste
0: food. No, no, no toilet paper either. <laughs> that, that never
2: happened.
0: <clears throat> Sorry. Right. Uh, let's uh, have some fun with Oscar Dansk because I know the Golden Knights Twitter has had fun with Oscar Dansk and the various number of songs that you might be able to insert Oscar's last name into. What is your favorite thus far?
1: Uh, I'm partial to the safety dance. Men without hats. The safety dance, something or other. Blah blah. 1982 release. Okay, you know that one, don't you? Sure. Yes, I do. The safety dance. Yeah, the safety dance.
2: That was a terrible version, by the way. <laughs> no,
1: I, I'm not big on the lyrics. You can dance if you, <laughs> you want, want to. to. There something, you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I like the Beach Boys. Do you want to dance? Okay. Yes.
1: Do you want to
0: dance, Shane? So all you guys got is one. I didn't know. I'm did gonna go with apps. Bowie
3: and a little Stevie Ray Vaughan. Let's dance. That one, and then you got Lady Gaga, Just Dance. Yeah, and then I got to go back to my roots. Let's go to Poison. Do You remember that one? Mama don't dance.
2: <laughs> Mama don't <laughs> dance. Dance. <laughs> dance. That's
0: good. That's daddy that. don't rock and roll. I, I, I really will... want to win
1: today. Favorite, I don't know if you guys oh noticed. But that's three, <laughs> three songs. That favorite Poison that is, that is, song?
3: Is, Duly noted, Shane. Uh, favorite Poison song?
2: Unskinny Bob. Unskinny, unskinny. Not every rose. Yeah, I was going to say it? every rose.
3: That's no. uh, probably the most. Yeah.
2: That that they that you can catch poison. In a like they'll play a uh, they'll be playing a, uh, a they'll play Syracuse. I'll play the the rink there on a Friday night, and on the Sunday night they're playing like a, a uh, demolition derby event. <laughs> right, like playing like in your they, backyard. They still grind. <laughs> they grind. I give them credit. <laughs> Something to believe in. They went from they went from the East Coast League <laughs> to the Apple. They played you know Stadium Rock for a number of years. They're back in the East Coast League and they're still playing.
0: Bingo. Well, since we're going to New York, Bingo. In a few days, Madison square garden where billy joel has his residency i will go with the ultra obscure song from the turnstiles album in 76 that would be all you want to do is dance
1: really? all right i didn't know no. that i've never heard that song. there you go i've never I heard that song
0: you would on the turnstiles album angry young man you new, heard york that song? State, new york never. state of mind like, like,
2: the stranger and glass <laughs> houses and no one bought that <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's right you know you, can, li- you can, can like you can like artists the, that don't live in that area where you're from. What's that? You're allowed to like artists from you know not. We're going in New York. I thought uh, it was
0: appropriate. I didn't. I avoided Springsteen. All right, which is sad. You would do that. <laughs> Dance that? King in the dark. Beside the point. Uh, um, <laughs> Naboo. All right. Let's uh, let's uh, put at at a couple more there. of these real quick, guys. Uh, there are some big stars in the NHL right now. Let's. Say that uh, you've got to choose one of the following handful of players if you need a goal McDavid, Matthews, Lane, Crosby, Stamkos. Who
1: you got? How about can we go off the board? Of course. I am. What about Nikita Kucherov? How about that? I think they if you play were ten games, just want a Lightning roster, you probably have to pick Kucherov over yes. Stamkos. They played 10 games. He has goals and 9 points ten for you, games. Dave. If I like the creativity, well, yes. And you know, I'm just saying, I'm looking at. See? <laughs>
3: Making a comeback, oh, I'm now. I'm going man. off the board, too. I don't like any of these guys. Yeah, the hell proved these any list
2: anything? List Who came up with that list? Haven't proved anything. I guess Ovechkin would be a good, uh, if you want yeah. to But no, uh, McDavid. And I know he's in a bit of a slump right now, but uh, to me, he's uh, the most dangerous player in the National Hockey League right now. And if I needed a goal, I would, uh, if I could tap 97, I would. I'm going to go uh,
3: off the board like gauche because I want to see somebody who's been there who's done it in key situations. So I got a runner-up. That's going to be Justin Williams. 14 points in Game Sevens, three Stanley Cups. But if I'm going to take the number one guy we just saw, him, Patrick Kane, since 2012, 10 game-winning goals in the postseason. And not to mention he had a cup-clinching goal back in 2010. He's my guy.
2: When I saw you yeah. having a beer after the game last night, I thought I had this in the bag. You, would you go home and st- 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 do homework all <laughs> night? No, just <laughs> quick study.
1: He was up early. He's, he's, he's an early riser. I'm
4: supposed to be prepared.
3: That's my job. Looking yeah. for the win.
0: Yeah, I am very competitive. All right. I'm, uh, I'm said I'm going to go tally up my scoring and, and okay. see who's victorious, okay? All
1: right. Dan Duva, the quiz. Great job. The Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast continues. Hashtag SLGND with Vegas Golden Knights GM George McPhee coming up next.
0: Leipzig coming from the left. Tuck coming from the right. Crawford makes a pass to the corner. Stolen away by Lindbergh. Up top McNabb. Shooting blocked at the line. Spiza kept it. but now it's off to the races. Here come the Blackhawks. Sharp down the middle. same dance! To his left, the eyes sharp on the breakaway. Play is halted after the biggest stop from Oscar dance we've seen so far.
1: Well, the hashtag SLGND podcast continues. Dave Gosher along with Shane Knighty and Gary Lawless, Dan Duva as well at the controls. A reminder, friends, that this podcast brought to you by Rock Creek Cattle Company is a hidden gem located in the heart of Montana. This working cattle ranch sits on 28,000 acres of land and has a little something for everyone, including a world class golf course, fly fishing, hunting, horseback riding, and lots more. Escape the bright lights and discover Big Sky Montana. Exclusive memberships and real estate opportunities are available now. For more information, go. Go to rockcreekcattlecompany.com. Gary Lawless speaks glowingly about his time. Is this
4: the, the, the fly fishing Is story the fly once
1: fishing again story, for that four-inch fish? The four-inch little carp?
2: I'm just not going to talk. Right? <laughs> and when, <laughs> you guys, when, you, when you guys get your opportunity to go, you'll... If, uh, you know, when you if, tell stories, you're supposed, what, to, we, we you're might supposed to
3: exaggerate. Like you know, I'm not I'm, not.
2: I'm not. I don't lend to hyperbole. should
3: have took a picture. That's the problem.
2: It was a great looking fish. It was a beautiful fish. It's not. It's the aesthetic. It's the quality, not the quantity. Canada, that's bait. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's bait. Yes, it's bait. You're yeah, right. Fair enough. Well, we are thrilled to have our first ever guest on hashtag SLGND, our podcast here. The general manager of the Vegas Golden Knights, George McPhee. George, uh, we know you're a busy man. Thanks for taking a few minutes. My pleasure. Seven and one through your first eight games. You get hired to, to um, in this position, all the planning that goes into it, expansion draft, the um, entry draft. Did you ever, in your wildest scenario, see this kind of a start for your
4: team? No, but it's what you're, uh, you're always hoping for. Uh, we're trying to win every game. Uh, and, and it's amazing what can happen when you have a team that's, that feels like a team, that's playing like a team. We tried to get as much ability as we could, as much talent as we could, but we really focused on uh, getting guys to compete and getting guys with uh, high fiber, high, high character. And we've got that in this group, and they're playing really well.
1: Did you, you know, Gerard Galat talks a lot about wanting good people to be part of this. How much mm-hmm. did that factor into when you were trying to put the the fiber of this team together, as you put
4: it. Yeah, well, it was everything uh, in our minds in terms of when we were hiring for every position in the organization, we wanted to get the best human talent we could find. And it's been a wonderful organization to work in, uh, I think, for everyone involved. And it doesn't just apply to the team or the players. It applies to the clubhouse staff. It applies to everyone uh, all the other staffers uh, in our company, uh, whatever department you're in, um, matters. And so we are, are delighted uh, that um, we have these kinds of people uh, in this organization. And uh, again, you never know what can happen when you have, have a good group that wants to work together. Uh, I think you can accomplish a lot of things.
2: Seven and one is obviously a, a fantastic story at some point in time does it become counterproductive for you as a general manager because you know you're 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 looking at the long play here and uh, obviously we all know that the, the best way to 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 grow in this league is to draft first overall uh, and if you make the playoffs you don't draft first overall
4: yeah and and there are there are certain ways to go about this um, but again we're trying to win as much as we can and it feels great to win. It never gets old, and uh, we're going to continue to try to win. We're 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 not going to derail this for draft picks. Uh, if we're not good enough, we won't be good enough. But if we're in the hunt, we're going to stay in the hunt.
2: Uh, you, uh, Gerard has had uh, his task was to to create a team in a really short amount of time, and that. When you watch them play, our opinion anyways, and obviously we'd love to hear yours, is that that's the key to this group is that they play as a team and that they really compete and work hard. Are you surprised he's been able to get that out of them to this degree this fast?
4: Um, I I don't know that I'm surprised, but certainly happy that it's happened. Um, They seem to really enjoy uh, playing for him, and why wouldn't you? He's fair, he's direct, he's honest. He was a player. He knows what it's all about. I think he does a terrific job of handling people. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know why it came together this quickly, um, but he certainly deserves a lot of credit.
3: You talked about evaluating, and, and for players, we, we've t- touched a lot on it, about opportunity. It's what a hockey player wants. And, and you've given a lot, Oscar dance last night, to these guys Is does it help your evaluation process here, seeing these guys not only take this opportunity, but the way they've been able to pay it back by performing the way they should?
4: Yeah, I, uh, I, I like uh, giving people opportunities. Um, and these guys have really embraced the opportunity. To, you know, Some of them were held back in other organizations because they had better people ahead of them. Um, some people just need a, a change. This is such a fresh opportunity for everyone to show what they can do. We've got guys that have been playing their guts out from their first preseason game and and haven't stopped playing that way. And uh, it's been a really neat thing to watch as a manager and, and to try and evaluate, but I think it's been a great thing for our fans to watch. These guys play their guts out. A member of
2: the the Chicago traveling media party yesterday before the game referred to what was happening in Vegas as smoke and mirrors. One of the players last night went out of his way to say one of the Blackhawks players to say it's not smoke and mirrors. They got a bunch of guys that can skate, and they got a bunch of guys that that are committed and and are competitive. But that I don't know how many Hall of Famers were on the ice last night. Taves and Kane for sure, probably Duncan Keith. Hoso is in the press box. Quenville's going to the Hall of Fame. Scotty Bo- or Stan Bowman's going to the Hall of Fame. Like that's a that 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 is. They've won three Stanley Cups in in the last decade. That is the standard, and they came into your building and, and your team spanked them, schooled them. How gratifying is that?
4: Well, you know, they've won three cups for a reason and to say what they said just said about us is one of the reasons they've won cups. They say and do the right things. And uh, um, that was a big uh, test for us last night. We met that test. Uh, but this business is an endless series of tests. It never ends for a player and his... Career it never ends for a team till you're out of the playoffs. So, um, you know, this feels great to 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 win like this. But you know, we have 76 games to go or 74 games to go, and things can change in a hurry. Um, But we'd certainly like to keep this up. Gary just talked about the Blackhawks. It's one of those models that
3: teams look to now and you kind of see the trend after a cup winner and, you know, LA and Boston won. everybody want to get bigger and kind of shut it down. And then you see the Chicago's and now Pittsburgh back to back more speed. Is it a combination or what is kind of the recipe now that the teams are looking at for the style of play?
4: Yeah, I, I can't speak for all teams, but I certainly like, uh, our team speed is, is good and it's going to be better, um, in the near future. Uh, I, you know, I, 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 you know you, you've got to be able to generate offense from the blue line, and we have people that can do that. Um, and, I, I, you know, you like to have those clubs that can play any way you need to play in a particular game to win the thing. You know, can you uh, outskate a team? Can you outmuscle a team? Can you outcompete a team? Can your goaltender steal a game? Uh, you need all those elements to, to win a lot of games in this league because you play a lot of different flavor of teams. So, um, and and we've been fortunate in the games that where we were in trouble, the goaltenders played well. Uh, in other games, uh, suddenly our power play working when we needed it to work. Um, and we've had goals from different people. Neil was hot early on, and other guys are hot now. Um, so, as we all know, you got to be able to play a lot. You play a lot of different teams, and and you've got to be able to win in lot lots of different ways, and. We've won seven. We need to win about another 40.
1: <laughs> Golden Nice General manager, George McPherson, our guest of the day here on the Sheriff Lawless and some guy named Dave podcast. Uh, George, have you ever seen a situation early in the season like this with your goaltending? We've had three different guys have to go in, three different guys have won games here.
4: You no, know, never, never. I, I don't believe in like 20-something years of managing that uh, have we had the first and second goaltender injured at the same time and for this length of time. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you do your best and you give the next guy an opportunity and, uh, and he, uh, he's come through so far and you keep your fingers crossed and hope it continues to work for him and you can't be anything but happy for the guy because uh, it's good for him. Uh, he feels good about himself. He's getting an opportunity. He's performing. He's got kind of a dream coming true right now, and you'd like to see it uh, fulfilled.
1: You know, you've had guys injured. In, you know, that one game you lose, Marcia Sohala and Flurry, and then you know, Tuck comes up and he scores. Other guys come up. You know, Shipchev came up; he had a goal in his first game. Other guys have been able to contribute. From your standpoint, how gratifying has that been? That I don't know if it's the next man up mentality, but it seems like it. That no matter who's in the lineup, you find different ways to win games.
4: Yeah, well, it's a it's a it's a good feeling as a manager when you have to um, dip into to your American League team or your depth and give a guy a chance, but knowing you've got a pretty good feeling about that player. Uh, you know, we, we knew we could call up a guy like Tuck, and he'd play well for us. We know there are a couple of other guys with our AHL club that we could call up, and they can do the job. And you sort of look forward to that opportunity as a manager because they can come up and give your team a push. Um you know, with the goaltenders, um, you know, when, uh, Mark Andre went down and thinking, boy, this is, this is the opportunity that Subban's been looking for. He's been around long enough to be able to do this. He's experienced enough to be able to do this. Have we built the foundation enough? foundation well enough for him to be able to do this? I'm not quite sure, but he might be able to do this. And he was, um, now with Dansk, uh, we weren't sure, um, but Dave Pryor was confident enough to say, let's go with this guy. Let's give him the chance. So um, it, it's nice when uh, when you have to you know, do something on an emergency basis like that and you feel good about the player going in and it, it, you feel even better when it works.
2: I think you've known Dave Pryor since you were like, in high school. Yes. And he worked with you in Washington as well. Yeah. How valuable is he?
4: I think he's indispensable. I am shocked that other clubs didn't hire him uh, in the couple of years that uh, we weren't working together. Um, uh, he, he he knows this position as well as anyone in my mind. I think he's the very best in the business. Um, terrific guy to work with. Uh, is very direct with the goaltenders and patient, honest with them. Uh, but doesn't try to change their style a whole lot. A guy, he is what he is. He tries to build other things into everyone's particular technique. Uh, and he's very, very uh, uh, supportive of the goaltenders when they're doing the right things, and he's very hard on them when they're not. And he's he's the same way with the coaches. If a, if a goaltender costs you the game, he'll let the coaches know. If the coaches are blaming the goaltender for something that he doesn't think... Uh, was his fault. He'll also let the coaches know. Uh, It's a very healthy uh, workplace environment to be in uh, when you're working with him.
2: Dave mentioned uh, Shipashev, and I I recall the Harry Neal saying that, you know, he needs to be better to play more, but he needs to play more to be better. And that's the catch-22 with this guy is that Mm -hmm. he – he he, for family reasons, didn't go to the American League the first time he was sent down, and then got probably got behind a little bit. He's coming from another league, another country, and he needs to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but your team's winning, and he's not producing, so the coach isn't going to call his number. Can he get? Can he go to the American League and kickstart?
4: We hope so. Um, that's what we're trying to do. And, again, when when we have people competing as hard as they're competing, uh, they've got to play. And we've got people who are performing better than he is. That's the way this business goes. You play them ahead of them. And you be honest with your players. We're not ever going to play someone over someone else because he makes more money or has a guaranteed contract or anything like that. If you're being honest with your team, you play who deserves to play, and that's it.
2: In that honesty can't waver. It's got to be. It's got to be consistent.
4: Yeah, it doesn't come and go. That's,
3: I want to put the gear on and try again. No. <laughs> <laughs> a little too old right now. Um, you know, I got no. And you've scouted your team. You guys had your plan. You knew all about these players. And uh, that's and I. I tried to research a lot of these, but now watching, there's there's been a couple guys that I knew were good, but some guys that have surprised me. How you know really good Pierre Belmar. To me, how good he was! I watched him when he scored that shootout winner against uh, Canada and France, and then he came over to Philadelphia. So I knew there was that element to his game. But is there any one, two, three players that you know you knew what you're getting, but maybe surprised
4: by something extra they bring? Um, I'm not, I'm not sure. I I think we were really open-minded. Uh, uh and and. Looking for those uh, unknown surprises uh, with a lot of our guys, we, we felt that if we created the right environment, uh, and this, this appears to be a fantastic place to play for our players, that a lot of them would, would really blossom. And uh, and I think we're starting to see some of that with some of these players. Uh, it's really neat to see them sort of elevating their game and getting better every game as they get more comfortable in their roles. Um, so I don't, I don't, uh, I, I, I don't, we were sort of expecting this and, and hoping for this. Um, the the one thing that uh, um, that has been more of a, a surprise to all of us is that, you know, a guy like Angeline has really, Taken on a leadership role, he's part of the leadership committee. But that particular player has really been uh, terrific uh, in our room and on the ice, and and uh, and being a real leader for this club.
1: You know, it's it, sometimes how things work, George. We you, you know you put all this planning into getting this organization going and, and getting a team together. Then you have what happened, you know, on October the first. And could you maybe touch on just how much you guys wanted to be in the forefront of trying to help people? as much as you can. And I kind of look at this homestand, you know, people looking to grab onto something good and something positive in the community. And the homestand by and large has been great, but it's, it's amazing how all that, those things kind of came together at the same time. And the, I know the organization's really tried as best they can to help people heal.
4: Yeah. You don't know why in the world, something like that ever happens. Uh, but it's, it's, you know, it happened, and uh, and you, tr- you try to deal with it as best you can, and I guess the way that the things have worked out for this this hockey club, this small thing, and this big story, uh, ha- has been a you know it, it's been a good thing. Uh, um, it's been a real positive story for this community, um, and again, you don't know why. Uh, it's happened, but we're, we're really thankful that it has, uh, really grateful that it has, because I think it has helped this community. People can come to these games, call it an escape, whatever you want. It's uh, They can express um, emotion. It's been a real fun, festive atmosphere. Um, it'll never be enough, um, but it has, it has been a great experience, I think, for... Everyone uh, that's been coming to that rink—it's been a really unique place to be.
2: I one of my favorite moments against the Blackhawks was the moment when they uh, honored the first responders, and the Blackhawk fans uh, were just as involved in the in in the applause and the emotion that they they, uh, they supported Las Vegas, and uh, it, it was a really nice moment. I thought
4: it sure was, and it was. Uh, you know, it, it hurt. That event hurt everybody, not just in this community, uh, but in this country and, and folks around the world that are seeing that stuff happen. Uh, no one ever wants to see that sort of thing happen. Um, so the, the the great thing about you know humankind and in this world is that the people bounce back from this and and find ways to be stronger and more supportive of other people and and. Uh, and get a, you know, a, a, if you didn't have it already, more respect for the tenuousness of, of life, I guess.
1: I guess maybe it's the, the last thing we'd ask you, you know, what's your experience been like here? I mean, you were in Washington for all those years and building that team in, with the Capitals. And now for you to, to be part of this and to live here and have your family here, what's this experience been like for you?
4: Well, we love living here. Uh, we did not know what we were getting into. All we knew was what most people know, and that's the, the four and a half miles of strip. Um, and we, I'd been there before. Um, we have uh, found that this is a lovely place to live. It's um, wonderful people. People have time for you, look you in the eye, have a conversation. Nobody's in a hurry. It's easy to get around. And this hockey experience is, has been uh, as much fun as I've ever had in the game.
1: Well, George, you are you are our first guest uh, on the podcast. Uh, congratulations or condolences—I don't know what's what.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll know how good you are if there's another podcast. All right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but thanks so much for taking the time. We really do appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, gentlemen. George thanks, McPhee, general manager of the Seven and One Vegas Golden Knights, joining us on the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast.
0: Held back up top by Neil, speeds to the right, one-time shot got blocked by Duncan Keith. Peron near side with So. Penalty at six seconds. Center point, Spisa. Back across to the right now. so on the left. He shoots and scores! So 4-1 Vegas power play goal!
1: Hey, fans, a reminder for you, if you want the best and most exclusive Vegas Golden Knights merchandise, the Vegas Golden Knights have options for you. First, the Armory at T-Mobile Arena, open every day from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., and then one hour after the conclusion of all home games. Also, retail kiosks at T-Mobile Arena are located at the lobby section 6, 13, 20, 204, and 214 and Sweet Level near Goose Island. Summerlin, more convenient for you? That's not a problem either. Check out the Arsenal at City National Arena, open every day from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. The Armory at T-Mobile Arena and the Arsenal at City National Arena, home for the most exclusive VGK merch. Dave Gosher, Shane Hattie, Gary Lawless, Dan Duva with you from our studios in Vegas. The Sheriff Lawless and some guy named Dave podcast continues so we're sitting in Vegas. Why not a segment here called Razor Fold? You know, no one to hold them, no one to fold them, no one to walk away, no one to run. Sung by Sheriff Kenny Rogers. I know that. All right, there you go. There you go. I knew it's you. The would. gambler. The gambler, exactly. Not I knew the pitcher. Would. Not the yeah. Oh, not okay. the pitcher. Not the pitcher. So Razor Fold. So I'm going to throw out just um, yeah, some some topics here, and either you're going to up the ante or you're going to fold your hand. All right. So the first one we're looking at this year, it seems like most seasons, officiating they they crack down on some area of of infractions, and there's been a couple right off the bat. Sheriff, we'll start with you. The new slashing penalties, which we've seen a lot of, especially the ones where you get up into a player's hands. Are you raising or folding on it?
3: Oh, can I just hold? Uh, (laughs) Check. You know what? uh, I'm still waiting to see. I'm just going to say I have no problem. I think they need to do it. The reason I'll check on this is because I have a fear of players really starting to embellish the hands on little ticky-tack plays where the stick just touches them. That's why I'm going to check.
2: I'm going to race. To me, seeing Mark Mathot almost lose his finger uh, last year, Johnny Gaudreau, what he went through. The players put the I get it. When they in 0405, they took the hooking out of the game. They looked for another way to to slow players down. They went to the tap around the hands. It got too uh, too excessive and dangerous. They had to do something about it.
0: And even go back further, Gary. Go back to the, the mid 90s lockout and the interference that they got rid of. That led to a nice resurgence offensively in the game. So while I understand the difficulties now, I'm going to raise two. Also recognizing and talking with some officials, knowing it's gone so far in one direction, they have to enforce it in the extreme opposite direction. So I would imagine that it comes back somewhere closer to the middle. But for now, I'm I'm raising with it.
1: I'll raise it too, Dan, because I'm looking, but I am looking forward to it coming back into the middle. Yeah. Because yeah. there's yes. been so much of it Steve now. Lockham I agree. Told me last the, week that
2: the standard is going to be the same now at, until the end of the Stanley Cup. That's his view. We'll see.
1: Yeah, I'll be curious to see if that actually um, continues as they move on into the playoffs down the road. Face-off violations, infractions. Um, we've seen it in a couple of our games. Um, Cody Eakin does not like it. No. I,
3: I, I'm I, not a fan. I'll Well, fold. yeah. I, I just think it slows the game down. I, I, the centerman there becomes an the art to taking a draw. Now it's a guy just standing back and, you know, now, just you might as well lose it. If you get one guy kicked out, just go into the draw, and you might as well take the loss. Right. So, to me, that being a bit of a traditional stat takes away from the game. Yeah,
2: I disagree with you 100%. The cylinder is it's pretty simple to me. It's about who has the quickest stick, not who can grab the puck with their glove. You're not, not you using your hand. Fit. Lots of guys did use their hands. Dominic Moore's made a career out of it. I think Yeah, but they now, cracked down I mean, on that you know, last year. That was a penalty is, last year. Now it is who has the quickest stick. That's the skill. I love it. Here's the thing: in the minor
0: leagues, young centers. I just think of Tyler Johnson taking a faceoff in the minors is different than taking a faceoff in the NHL because the linesmen are schooled in certain ways of dropping the puck. And the minor, you'll wait and wait and wait. In the NHL, most of the time, the linesmen know what they're doing to the point where they'll get up and drop the puck right away. If it if it gets to the point where it's starting to detract and it turns into the AHO where the linesman's waiting and delaying, so I, I think. I, I, I am in a position to to fold on it um, because I don't want it to turn into that where it just is the, the constant tossing and all that. I think I still need to see more, but right now my inclination is towards fold.
1: I would fold on it, too. And we had a game, we did, Shane, where uh, the Buffalo game, you could read Phil Housley's lips on the bench. Drop the puck. Yes. Yeah, and that's that's exactly they, what I'm talking didn't, about. They didn't say that before? No, That, I'm sure that they just did. happened this year? Oh, I'm sure they did. But now, I, I'm waiting to see, and, and I don't think it'll get to this because if you're in the... But it's a catch twenty-two. If you're in a playoff game, and the first guy gets kicked out, now you're the second guy. You can't get kicked out; otherwise, it's a penalty. So you just you no mass right. on the face-off. You lose it, or you, you know I don't want to say you give it away, but you're not gonna you're not gonna try to get any advantage. You lose a face-off, clean back to the point, shot, from the point comes in, and they win the like, yeah. The good news, a, though, with it's just going to get tedious. And after The one a while. good
0: point is the number of guys who can play center on the Golden Knights. I mean, William Carlson was not playing center at the start of the season; now he is. Uh, you, you at least have that versatility if you're looking at the Vegas roster.
1: Uh, fold or razor fold continues. Montreal Canadiens are off to their worst start in decades. They did win last night. Carey Price going in the last night's game, an 8.98 save percentage. They had lost seven in a row, but they, they finally stopped the bleeding with a win against Florida. Gary Price, Sheriff, raise, fold, check. Well, they need much be him to be better. That
3: team doesn't get success if he yeah. isn't playing well, and I think he will. I think he's still one of the top goalies in the world. And so, If that's a raise, then I raise because I think Carey Price is the key to the success of that team or any team he's on.
2: Yeah, I would have. I'll fold. I, I don't. When they, I think Mark Bergman had no choice but to give Carey Price his extension. But when when they did it and they gave him that money, I looked at the Montreal Canadiens. as they're currently constructed? And I went. They're not going to win. They've just poured a ton of money into that one player, and yeah. they needed to spread that money all around their roster. I get it. Carey Price at times is the most dominant player in the National Hockey League. But you look at Chicago, they got all that money lumped up in the Taves and Kane, and I wonder if they're ever going to win again as a result of that. I'm folding on Carey Price. I'm going to raise, but here's why. It
0: can't get any worse. He has the most goals allowed in the National Hockey League at 26. He has the most losses of any goaltender in the league at five. It's only going to get better because it, it, can't, it can't go any worse. He is literally last in those two categories. Also, if you look at the rest of the team, Can it get any worse? Not a single player, when you look at the plus-minus rating, not a single guy is plus. Everybody is even or below. So only because it can't get worse, (laughs) Gary Price, uh, I'm going
1: to raise. I'll raise on them just because they can't score. They played nine games, they have 18 goals. No goal support. My basic Rhode Island arithmetic, that's two goals a game. And that was with kind of breaking out a little bit what would be breaking out for them offensively and If I don't night. get
2: massive points for folding on Carey Price in this little contest, guts anyway. I'm, I'm going to yeah, be outraged. Gonna, yeah. well, Homework, shmolwork. Flip the table. <laughs> points for what? <laughs> folding. Now he's, now he's We're not the talking teacher. about salary. Yeah. We're not talking about salaries. We're talking about Carey Price. We're not talking about a team. Cause and effect of Carey Price has made the Canadians a lost soldier in the woods. So would they... Do you see a scenario... And I know Were where they you, win the Stanley Cup, absolutely not. No, where they move
1: him, <laughs> not with that salary. No. I mean, but how do you, so how do you fix it? If you get all that money tied up in him, that's uh, so, that's <laughs> you fold, you know, like <laughs> yeah, 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 that's <laughs> you should have folded last summer. That's not a good team, defense, centers can't score. They got
2: Weber's crazy salary. I know. Imagine being know? in that market
0: right <laughs> that now. We've all been there up enough. Of those two guys. In well, two languages, people, just, people are living. We just think about all the positive vibes around the Golden Knights right now, and it oh. seems to be the exact opposite right there.
1: Came out to California. They got wiped out three games out there. <laughs> all right, last one on Razor Fold. <laughs> Your loaded question. I was going to say, <laughs> what's,
2: what's the answer going to be? You're,
1: seven and one Golden Knights. Anybody that folds here, you're fired. You might want to clean out your desk yeah. by noon. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
2: no, Let's just it. make sure. Let's throw our <laughs> journalistic integrity out the window. Absolutely, erase. This has been so much fun. It's yeah. been fantastic.
0: Yeah, and and listen, uh, you guys were chatting about this earlier, and you see that when a team encounters a challenge, how it responds. George McPhee just a few minutes ago talked about character. It's an intangible. You can't count character. But when you see it, you recognize it. And we see it. When a team runs into a challenge like number one goalie going down. And really, I think this is a, this is an important point from a hockey standpoint. Marc-Andre Fleury comes into the season. Everybody sees him as the face of the franchise, not only from around the hockey world, but also the players in the room. Thinking, all right, we're an expansion team. The one bona fide is Marc-Andre Fleury. Okay, so maybe subconsciously, one way or another, you're going to rely on him a little bit more than you might otherwise. He goes down. Well, guess what? They haven't lost since he was injured. Guys stepping up, knowing that, gee, we don't have Marc-Andre Fleury back between the pipes to rely on anymore. We've got to make sure we're doing everything right and look what's happened. They have played some of their best hockey since he was injured. So, uh, yeah, you better believe I'm gonna I'm gonna be raising there on yeah uh, for sure. The and, you Knights. know,
1: when at some point it's gonna come back the other way on them. You know, even yeah, you know, oh, it's just I mean, it's an 82 it's, game uh, season. The, you know, sure. They're gonna lose five in a row or seven out of eight. Uh, that being said, to be able to get off to a start like this, it, and you look at some other, you know, more. You know, you look at the Rangers, and we talked about Montreal and teams that are just off to dreadful starts. And here you have this expansion team where it's all new for everybody, thrown together. And uh, I don't know how you couldn't raise on them. It's going to change at some point down the road, but the points they put in the bank now, um, Absolutely. where it's so hard to make up ground, it seems late in the season, has been uh, just a terrific start for this team. So that's our uh, razor fold. You're going to have grades later, Dan. Is that the, is that, the, that how this all works? Hi, all right. I think so. All right, we'll find out more. But uh, the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, hashtag SLGND, continuing here from Vegas, and a reminder that uh, Bill and Carol Foley have created the Foley Food and Wine Society to celebrate three of their greatest passions, world-class wines, exceptional cuisine, and outstanding destinations. And as a member of the society, you'll have access to their entire portfolio of properties around the globe. The Foley Food and Wine Society offers an exclusive opportunity to join like-minded individuals who seek to experience the finer things in life. They look forward to hosting you during your next visit is it? Cheers. Final segment: fact check with Dan Duva. He's got his hands full with this group as to what we screwed <laughs> up or didn't screw up. What's um... Quiz, quiz no grades quiz <laughs> keeping you busy back there? It really from, make people not like that's exactly what when happens when you. What did you jo- Yeah. Well, uh, good luck there. <laughs> <laughs> what did you jot down uh, over there on your list? I've been jotting down there. quite
0: a bit, but but the good news is I did not have to use my red pen. I was very All impressed right. with the degree of preparation for the program today by Shane Natty. I think Shane takes the cake uh, in that regard, <laughs> but uh, across the board. You know, facts are stubborn things, Mm. Dave Gosher, Uh, as you may have heard. Facts (laughs) are stubborn things, and Shane brought more facts to the table. Hard numbers and information, data you can point to.
1: The rest, of, you, the rest right? of The rest of this group? Yeah.
0: So, so from that standpoint, I, I give Shane, you know, he you go out on a limb. In other words, you might throw a number out. You might be right. You might not be. Shane came with numbers he had conviction in. He knew they were on top. So mm-hmm. he gets points for that. Now, when it comes to the other elements of the program today, <laughs> rating the quiz. Now, first off, it's it's worth recognizing that just like a teacher grading in a classroom, if you start the semester off struggling, but you finish trending upward, the teacher notices that. So let's begin by recognizing how hot Gary Lawless started in the uh, in the quiz. He was really on the ball with his uh, Riley Smith breakdown and also kind of looking outside the box in a few different topics. Really liked the information there. And Gary's stories, like let's say in uh, the St. Louis with Armstrong and talking about Brad Hunt, that is the sort of stuff that... Only a Golden Knights insider would be able to dig up. So major props to Gary. I thought he said ditto when I talked about Riley Smith.
2: <laughs> you know, part of being a good student is listening, <laughs> listening to what your classmates have to say. That's a fair you point. You get there, for true, listening.
0: That's true. So, so, so where is... Um, I thought Dave was uh, rather consistent through the best for last. Is always the, saying they the, say the, the entire last, yep. the entire program. And, uh, Extremely you know, I, mediocre. I thought that there were some some excellent points from Dave, but uh, Dave did n- did not have any surges or
1: dips. He was yeah. just even. Yes, Stephen Dave Gosher. Right. And cool, common, collective oh, smart. The, the only smart. detractor is... The uh, brains of this operation. Some guy named Dave. Some, Some guy, guy named, named
0: Dave. Dave. Uh, I, I was disappointed that I'd, I did not hear a Bruce Springsteen reference for the uh, Oscar Dansk
1: discussion. Well, the lawman came up with the best. Yeah. As much as I hate to admit it. The, yeah. The Dansking in the dark was... Right. So I, I thought
0: that you would have, you know, gone in that direction, just yeah, given your... Uh, well,
1: I was I was keeping to the word dance. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I got you. I got you. So, so that brings us to. where what you think anyways? But go ahead. Press on. Because I'm <laughs> in charge. and I've
0: got the buttons in front of me. Would you like me to turn your microphone oh boy, off? I have detention. the power. The sheriff, uh, while uh, at the start of the quiz, didn't go above and beyond in the way, say, Gary Lawless impressed. As outlined earlier in the uh, the fact check, Shane came to play. The sheriff, though the the judge and the jury attempted to come down hard, he fought back in a way that I was thoroughly impressed with. And his numbers um, and his uh, song references and willingness to go outside the box today has earned the sheriff Shane 90. Our first quiz victory. You know what though? I broke the number one speech? rule
3: as a player. I never wanted to set the bar too high because once you do, it's all downhill from there. So but you know what? It's leadership. Watch next week, dudes. I guarantee you're gonna see guys coming here with some yeah. facts and some
0: preparation. That's what I'm Pressure's doing. I am hoping to see it. And, and don't get me wrong, everyone I'll performed. I'll take the week well. off. <laughs> everyone but performed the well, snaps, but, so. but Shane excelled especially uh, down the stretch.
1: Well, Congratulations. Thank you. That's Thank a big you. win Very for you. Very happy. Good victory speech. Ready to go on the road, guys? Yeah. Yes. One more at home you to count this seven-game home stand. Then
3: oh, yeah, on the, the road. Rest of the day. <laughs> How's that going to be different from every day? <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, I give Nines a yeah. the win there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, just, he just submissioned me. Going out with the bed.
1: <laughs> the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Hashtag slg That's going to wrap up this week's episode. A special thanks. George McPhee came in to join us, and um, we really appreciated his time and his insights on what has been a great start to this Vegas Golden Knights uh, franchise, 7-1 through the first eight games. So, for Chain 90, Gary Lawless, Dan Duva, Eric Tosi in the wings, making sure that we uh, do this in a proper and efficient fashion. I'm Dave Gosher, and we will talk to you next time on Hashtag SLGND.